a user-friendly website is still one of the key success factors for businesses aiming to thrive in the digital space. However, our understanding of what user-friendliness actually means has evolved from a focus on usability to a more coherent view of the overarching customer experience. Not knowing what this entails is a threat to your customer relationships as well as your business success. I'm Jane Irwin, Senior Content Manager at SQLi, and I'm happy to welcome you to SQLi's podcast channel, Digital Chats. This is Exploring Digital Worlds, a series of podcasts focusing on expert insights into what's happening in the digital sector. Today, I'd like to welcome our UX Confidence Lead for Germany, Felix Kuhn, to the show. And we're going to talk about how to make your website more user-friendly without breaking the bank. Felix has more than 20 years experience designing online customer experiences. He's experienced in creating complex web portals and digital ad campaigns. And he has always been an advocate for the user perspective. Welcome to the show, Felix. Thanks, Jane. Great to be here. Let's jump right in. What is user-friendliness in 2023? Well, true user-friendliness can only be achieved when actually three factors are in place. And what are these three factors? Yeah, firstly, let's talk about accessibility in the year of 2023. This used to be focused on being inclusive. Um, and nowadays, there's much more to be done in terms of removing barrier, content being a very significant one. Oh, and what about content exactly? What brands need to do is ask themselves if their whole audience can actually understand their content. And that's not only done by translations into different languages. Oh, what do you mean by that? Well, in practice, we see lots of vendors over or under challenging their website users through either content that's, that requires the same level of knowledge as themselves or content that's so oversimplified to a degree that it's almost impossible to learn something from it. Finding the right balance is key here. Okay, and what's the second factor? The second factor is information architecture. And when we think about information architecture, contexts are the key to success. For example, if you're buying a train ticket online, you could either be planning your vacation at home with lots of time at your end, or you could already be on the platform as your train arrives. You have to cover all of these contexts, a balance between information depth and quick key interactions, on the other hand, will have you covered here. Right, I see what you mean. And what about the last one? Well, Jane, last but not least, of course, it's the value proposition. This is where we look at the bigger picture and make sure that the interaction with a brand is always meaningful and offers value, not only on the website. Well, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, okay, so now let's get down to the nitty gritty. Um, how can brands actually make the move to a more user-friendly website? Well, Jane, basically there are four main things a brand can do. It starts with a business model. And here, people expect immediacy in solutions, in processes, in support, and so on and so forth. So digitizing the supply chain, for example, to handle orders more quickly or offering new services often unlocks new business potentials and maybe even a USP of some sorts. So what's the one thing your competitors can't offer, for example? Um, okay, can you give our listeners an example? 
Yeah. Besides the big ones like Apple with their well-oiled ecosystem or Tesla with their superchargers, I would like to mention my own health insurance company here in Germany. Because their USP is a very strong focus on all things digital, which makes it very easy to find the help and services you need. Their website is well written, their app works really well, and last but not least, my data is very well protected. Okay, okay. Uh, and what else should brands do, Felix? I believe the next thing brands should do is to create a holistic view of their customer experience and ensure that it always feels good, if that makes any sense. So IKEA is a great example here. Their brand always feels forthcoming, very approachable and personal. From the tone of voice in their TV ads, down to the T-shirts employees wear, or the fact that they hand out paper rulers in their stores to keep you from simply buying something that doesn't fit. But how can brands actually implement such an idea? A tough question, Jane. <laughs> <laughs> This could involve, for example, making sure customer service feels as good as marketing. Um, could you give us an example of that? Yeah, of course. I can give you an example from my own past. When I was a kid, my dad used to drive a used Mercedes. And one night he stranded in the middle of nowhere with a flat tire. So he had to walk to the next town. Because remember, this was the early 80s, so pre-cell phones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he, yeah, and he called Mercedes' own roadside assistance. And within the hour, he was back on the road. So not selling cars, but actually providing mobility is what this company did great here. And you could certainly feel this. And, of course, instantly you understood all their marketing claims about that. Okay, an amazing example. Um so we've talked about getting the business model ready and creating an holistic experience of customer experience. Um, what are the two other things brands should do? <laughs> well, the third thing they can do is to use data to optimize each touch point. And of course, testing will get you there. Okay, could you illustrate this? Yeah, I still remember vividly my first time in a usability lab where we tested a prototype for a university website. We were all quite surprised to learn that many testers wish to see pictures of the professors, even before reading up what the course was all about. So the human factor could not be underestimated in this context. Okay, so what else should brands think about here? Adding elements that make the experience fun and playful is always something that works out well here because it, it adds a bit of a human touch to an otherwise very anonymous interaction with an interface. Like, for example, using load times and showing a bit of information instead of just a load spinner graphic. Something like, we are processing your order, dot, 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 dot. wow, great choice, dot, 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 dot. almost done, and so on and so forth. Okay, but does all of this impact the budget? Very good question, Jane, and it does, of course. But I also can say that it saves you money in the long run. Because by knowing which data to collect through your website, you will always be able to act as soon as you notice a change in user behavior or commerce-related KPIs. And this neatly brings us to the final factor. And this is one I feel is overlooked the most knowing when to adapt to change. Oh, so what's involved here? <laughs> 
Yeah, from megatrends like, for example, the growing interest in sustainability in basically all areas of our lives to very industry specific shifts. This is something you have to keep in mind. Think, for example, of how smartphones have disrupted the market for digital cameras. So it's either the what or the how in customer expectations that evolves with time. OK, so I guess it's also important for brands to understand what users like and dislike. Hitting the nail on the head here again, Jane. <laughs> and a great way to achieve this is to ask users for their opinions through service or interviews, for example, and to offer more than just a coupon in return. Because if you want the relationship with users to be meaningful, Honoring their efforts is not only a sign of appreciation, but also one of respect. Of course, yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anything else a brand can do? Yeah, <laughs> it might sound a little cliche, but they need to think outside of the box. They need to ask themselves, what are my equivalents of IKEA's paper rulers that make the experience at the most critical points of a customer journey so much more enjoyable? So what brands, other than IKEA, of course, <laughs> do this well? <laughs> Let me answer this question with a question, Jane. What's okay. your favorite takeout? Oh, my favorite takeout, I would say, Felix, is Vietnamese. I love Vietnamese food. You do? <laughs> Interesting, because so do I. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and my favorite Vietnamese place always adds chopsticks and napkins to every meal. And this is just a simple but a great example of thinking about what customers actually do after a purchase. And this is why I would like to encourage our listeners not try to be like Apple, but be themselves. Find your own golden nuggets to work with. Great advice, absolutely. Um, we're now coming to the end of our discussion today, Felix. Um, what key messages would you like to leave with us? Well, I think that making a website more user-friendly means nurturing a meaningful relationships with the human beings behind the term user. This starts with understanding what problems you as a brand can help them solve and, of course, make your website reflect that. And the more you test, the better you know which KPIs matter the most. Perfect, Felix. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today. Oh, one more question before you leave. Where can our listeners find you? I would say LinkedIn is the best place. And it's Felix Kuhn, K-H-U-H-N, with a strange German umlaut. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. Thanks again, Felix. It was great having you on the show. Thank you, Jane.